G-clocking memory lane, he's been on the future robotics since the day that he came. Your host, Icy Robots. All right, greetings Earth people, I am from Jupiter. It's me again, Icy Robots, I'm not a hero. I just sacrifice to make your life a little better each and every week. And this week, it's getting a ton better. We got a ton of fun show ahead of us. We're going to lead off with a little story about how I got called a toy boy in my ninth grade yearbook. Kind of a bummer, but also a little true. After that, it's going to be at the movies. We're going to take a look at a movie I saw. And then it is all about the retro toy marketplace where we're going to take a super close look at maybe the most popular of all the G.I. Joe figures, Cobra's Ninja Assassin, Storm Shadow. It's going to be a hoot. All right, guys, let's get going. Hit it. Yo, ISR man, I don't understand this man. Yo, you've got to slow down man, you're losing them. Radio, suckers never play me. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. Act like you know. All through middle school and a lot of high school, I took industrial arts like Metal Shop. Specifically Metal Shop, I only dabbled in wood, but I did hang around the Metal Shop quite a bit. It's a little odd because I never use these skills today, but I'm a competent welder, and I can do various things with a piece of metal. I went all the way up through junior year, where you're really, like, you're specifically getting into ornamental and decorative things on a small scale. It it was fun. I never used these skills at all, but I do remember, this is a little funny story. When I started taking shop at the beginning of junior high, I was really into those LJN wrestling figures, the big rubber ones that didn't move. I was in them to the point where I would bring a couple of them every day with me in my backpack. And if you know how big they are and how small a junior high backpack is, you realize that this is pretty cumbersome. At any rate, I would bring a couple of them with me every day. And when I got the opportunity to do a um, free project in Metal Shop, I decided that I was going to do an LJN steel cage wrestling ring. The cage itself was going to be made out of metal. We had some fencing, and I was going to use that fence. The posts were going to be metal, and we had some cable that I was going to use as the ropes. I also got, like, a block of wood and some... I don't remember what kind of material it was. It was kind of a vinyl, I suppose. And I was going to use that to cover the mat. I was really stoked on this project. I was stoked on many levels. I was uh, excited because... It was going to be fun. It was going to be fun to do this. At that point in my life, I did like building things with my hands. I'm not so much anymore. I create in other ways. But at the time, I was a buildy kind of dude. So it was going to be neat to do it. And also, I was going to get a ring that was better than the one that they were selling. It was going to be authentic metal. I imagined my dudes slamming into the cage. It was just going to be so great. I was really excited. But when I shared my plans with this dude named Jesse, this guy Jesse is now a professor. I, uh, I'm Facebook friends with him, sort of, and 
He's a professor now, and he led this anti-bullying campaign, which is kind of funny to me in retrospect, but he saw my plans and immediately branded me a toy boy. And, you know, truth be told, I was and still am a toy boy, but... You know how sensitive you are in junior high. I was just totally devastated to be known as a toy boy. So I just, I disregarded the whole plan. I threw it away. I ended up like secretly making a ring at home out of a block of wood and some nails and rubber bands that totally sucked. I wish I would have had the courage to go ahead and follow through with that. If I could go back, I would follow through on that because I bet you I would still have the ring and it would look really neat on display with like the pretty large collection of LJN dudes that I have today. Um, I've been digging around in my garage lately. I'm trying to get it all clean so that I can fit more eBay stock in there. And I was digging around and I found one of my old junior high yearbooks. And that dude, Jesse, signed it and he wrote, Have fun playing with your toys. And then a couple other people saw that on the page and followed the lead and called me Toy Boy. You know, have fun playing with your toys. I don't think that anyone is that creative to where they had, like, any great snaps. But it's a little funny. It's a little funny in retrospect to look back and see that. And just know that for all my life, I have been nothing more than a toy boy. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Hold on! Experience in an IMAX 3D now playing. So we went to see Jupiter Ascending last night. And to be honest, I had no idea what to expect because the commercials just straight up don't give you any idea as to what the movie is about. It's also really strange because we went to see it and like every time a commercial came up on TV for it, we're like, that looks so stupid. That looks ridiculous. Look at Channing Tatum with his elf ears. Look at those gravity boots. Look at all that CGI. This movie does not look good. But when it came out... We were right there on opening day seeing it. I guess that just goes to show that there are not a lot of awesome movies being released in the month of January and also of February. Going to the movies and not having any idea about the plot as to what you're going to see is sometimes fun. It almost brings back the movie magic of being a kid before there was the internet and before you knew like just about every plot point of the movie before it ever, well probably before it was even finished, you knew a large majority of the plot points to the movie. Jupiter Ascending was directed by the Wachowski, formerly known as the Wachowski Brothers of Matrix fame. So you know the movie's gonna have a lot of a lot of CGI and a lot of really showy fancy fight scenes. And this really does have that. If you're into like super computer-drawn fight scenes where dudes are, like, looking like they're in a video game, flipping through space, doing the craziest stunts ever imaginable, then, dudes, this is really the movie for you. And there are, like, some really cool storyline issues in this. It involves the true origin of Earth and how we came to be and what our final fate is going to be. And I don't want to give away a lot because it was kind of cool for me to go in there and have the mystery, like I said just a second ago. Excuse me. I had to move my chair, so you might have heard a creak. I was a little uncomfortable, and I apologize for that. But still, going forward, the movie was cool. I would give it, like, a C+, whereas I thought I would be giving it a D, maybe a D-. There was enough in it to keep me interested. It is a tad long, 
And that's a complaint I have with, God, I have that complaint with, like, just about every movie that I ever see. It was a bit long, but there is enough in it that I could recommend see it, and you will be entertained. You might not be entertained in the way that the Wachowskis wanted you to be, because I gotta admit it, a lot of the things that happen are comical. It's very over-the-top. One of the things you'll see, like, right off the bat is Channing Tatum's elf ears and Channing Tatum's gravity boots, and one of the main villains... He talks like this through the whole thing, and he's very solemn, and he's very weird, and you like a little camp in your sci-fi. Oh, sorry, I gotta, I kinda got stuck in that voice. If you like a little camp in your sci-fi, if you like a little camp in your sci-fi, this might be the thing for you, because I gotta say that, like, in the future, this movie might be a Hall of Fame camp sci-fi film up there with the very famous John Travolta joint, Battlefield Earth, and that's not a bad thing, dude. It's like, your movie might not always be remembered the way that you like it to be, but it is very nice if your movie is remembered and thought of fondly at all, and you gotta just be happy with what you get, right, Wachowskis? I don't know. It seems like ever since the first Matrix, you guys have sort of set a standard for campy, over-the-top sci-fi, and that's, you know, maybe that's your thing, and it's better to be remembered for something that makes people happy than not to be remembered for anything at all, so I'm gonna say see this if you'd like that sort of thing. ISR kinda sorta maybe recommended. <laughs> ready for the retro marketplace okay i see robots this is your one chance show them what you got cobra's ninja assassin storm shadow you know gi joe has always been my favorite i think this is maybe the fourth gi joe topic that we've tackled in 21 episodes let's see we did the dragonfly the uss flag stalker and now finally storm shadow out of all the dudes in the G.I. Joe pantheon, I think when you're talking about who is the most popular, it comes down to one of two people. Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow. I think that whichever one you picked was really dependent upon how you viewed yourself. Like, were you a dark anti-hero or were you just a straight up bad guy? I don't think that anybody goes and views themselves as like a true blue, super patriot, like a duke or whatever, because that's too much to aspire to, but it is easy enough to kind of curb your bad side and be an anti-hero or just, you know, be a straight-up villain. You know, I want to take that back. I think that there are dudes who are true blue and all-American and want to be Duke, but I think that those dudes weren't the kind of dudes I was hanging out with. It was pointed out to me the other day that I have a lot of stories of breaking toys, and I think that that is just because of the dudes that I hung out with. I hung out with a bunch of Snake Eyes and or Storm Shadows, not necessarily any Dukes or Hawks. If you ask me which one I preferred, I'm gonna have to say Snake Eyes. I liked how, I liked how he was silent. I enjoyed that. It was kind of cool to me because, believe it or not, I've always been sort of a quiet dude and I could appreciate how I don't think that even if he could talk, he would be talking a lot more than he was in the comics or the cartoons. Anyway, he seems more like bro didn't, you know, he didn't want to talk. It wasn't that he didn't want to talk, it was that he couldn't talk. But of the two, I think that amongst the people I knew, Storm Shadow was more popular. I think that it was because he was obviously a ninja. His action figure said ninja, and while Snake Eyes is a known ninja if you read the comics or whatever... Storm Shadow is, by profession, a ninja, and ninjas were just, like, off the charts popular back in the day when G.I. Joe was all out there. I mean, dude, if you remember back, everybody and their sister wanted to be a ninja. Ninjas were just, like, 
everywhere. Every movie had ninja in it. Everybody was a ninja. Everybody had throwing stars and smoke bombs. So when Storm Shadow got released, he immediately shot up to the top of the list of the dopest, deafest G.I. Joe figure that had been made yet, honestly. I think that at the time, he might have been everyone's not only favorite, but also the, you know, consensus for GOAT, the greatest of all the times. All right, let's take a little peeky here at one of these tapes out of my collection of unlabeled VHS tapes. I swear to you, I have a world-class level collection of unlabeled videotapes, and from time to time, I find some gold, and what we got here is the commercial for the first appearance of Storm Shadow. It's a little funny because he ends up getting captured by the Joes during the commercial and judo tossed to the ground by Duke. I don't really see that happening, but in this kid's little fantasy, he's a Duke, and he totally murked good old Storm Shadow. All right, let's take a look. Here we go. I'm going to pop it in. All right, here we go. Cobra Commander is the enemy. He's the enemy of T.I. He's escaping! He's escaping in the Cobra Claw! Get the new jaws and get him aboard the Skyhawk! Introducing Duke, Roadblock, and Spirit. G.I. Joe, American hero. G.I. Joe is there. Cobra Commander got away! But we captured Storm Shadow. Yo! G.I. Joe Skyhawk, Joe and Cobra figures and Cobra Claws sold separately from Hasbro. That's a really cool commercial, but it's also a little weird that you have your ninja get tossed to the ground like that by Duke. But I guess the commercials are supposed to represent a kid's fantasy, so the booking might not be as correct as I would want it. Let's take a little peek into the background of Storm Shadow here right now. Storm Shadow's real name is Tommy Arashikage, and he was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I found that really surprising when I learned that. I always imagined that he was a Japanese national. I was a little surprised that he was Japanese American, but it doesn't make a difference either way. What is important here is that Storm Shadow started doing his ninja training like right immediately from the Jump Street. As soon as he was born, his family moved him into the family business of ninja-ing. Or is it assassination? If you are a ninja, your career is an assassination. So I guess that's what they moved Tommy into. And eventually he took the skills that he honed at the Arashikage Dojo and joined up with the uh, U.S. Army as a member of a special forces long range recon patrol unit. If you've already listened to the episode about Stalker, and I do recommend that you do that because it came out fairly decent in my opinion, but I am a bit biased. But if you have listened to that episode, what you have learned was this was a pretty special long range recon patrol unit because not only was Storm Shadow in it, but also within the ranks of the crew was future G.I. Joe Ranger Stalker and Storm Shadow's future best frenemy for life, Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow hit it off immediately. They were best friends before you knew it. It was to the point where Tommy was like hinting to Snake Eyes that maybe after the army he could hook him up with the family business. Now, Snake Eyes probably thought it was something different, maybe a restaurant or like a steel refinery or something. I'm sure he did not imagine that it was uh, assassination and being part of a ninja clan. Their friendship became cemented to the next level when one day the crew came under attack from the Viet Cong and while running for the evac helicopter, Snake Eyes got mowed down by some machine gun fire. Stalker ordered the group to leave. He knew Snake Eyes was dead. He knew in his heart he was dead. This came to be something that he regretted later, but at the time he felt it was the right thing to do. But Storm Shadow wasn't having it and he ran out of the copter, 
grabbed up his buddy Snake Eyes, pulled him back into the copter. Snake Eyes felt after such an act of bravery that the two were closer than brothers. They were as close as could possibly be. So after the war, they went off together to train overseas with the Arashikage clan and Tommy's two uncles, the Hard Master and the Soft Master. Upon re-entering the dojo, Storm Shadow was given his ceremonial name as the Young Master because it was believed that eventually he would inherit control of the clan. But once they started training seriously, it became readily apparent that Snake Eyes was the better of the two ninjas. Storm Shadow knew it and Snake Eyes knew it. It got to the point where Snake Eyes started throwing fights to Storm Shadow just to, you know, let him keep up his appearances in front of the two masters. Now, eventually... A rumor began to float around that the two masters were in fact not going to turn the dojo over to a relative, but were instead going to turn it over to what was known as a foreign student. Of course, when Storm Shadow heard this, he was furious and enraged with jealousy. And then the plot thickened when one day Snake Eyes was training with the hard master when an arrow came through the wall, went through a practice pole, and right through the hard master. He was assassinated, and it was believed only one ninja was capable of making that kind of shot. That one ninja was, of course, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow, fearing retribution, fled. But by fleeing, what he did was he made himself unable to defend himself against the other members of the school, and he was branded a traitor. This led him right into the waiting arms of Cobra Commander, who told him, if you sign up with Cobra, I will help you clear your name, and I will help you avenge your uncle's murder. He had no choice. He signed up. Eventually, he worked his way up the ranks of Cobra and became Cobra Commander's personal bodyguard and also the personal trainer of Cobra Commander's son, Billy. Billy and him trained together for years and eventually they also began to trust each other and Billy confided in Storm Shadow that he knew who killed his uncle. Or more accurately, he had a theory about who killed his uncle. He knew of another dude who, through technological means like pulleys and whatever, was able to make a shot very similar to the one Storm Shadow was. Who was that dude? The evil Zartan. Before Storm Shadow could really act on it, he got popped by the Baroness. She saw that he was going to go after Zartan, blap, 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 killed him. I'm surprised that somebody with the skills of Storm Shadow would be able to get killed by somebody like the Baroness, but maybe it just goes to show how skillful the Baroness is. Anyway, the Baroness turned over Storm Shadow's body to the evil Dr. Mindbender, who used it as part of the stew that eventually became Serpantor. But the process in which Serpantor was cooked also brought Storm Shadow back to life. And after a lot of soul searching and a lot of time spent up in Snake Eyes, Storm cabin, Shadow decided the best thing to do to make up for his former misdeeds was to join up with the G.I. Joe team. He served honorably as a Joe for many years until while on a recon mission, he was recaptured by Cobra, brainwashed and forced back into duty where I guess he might even be today. It's a really sad story. Storm Shadow is kind of a tragic figure. He's had some really bad turns in his life. He's been accused of crimes. He's been brainwashed. He's been all but forced into fighting for the bad guys. And that's, you know, a lot more than a former U.S. soldier deserves. Let's take a quick peek at some of the action figure releases of Storm Shadow over the years. He was a third wave figure 
first released in 1984. He was kept into production for three years because he was just so awesome. I mean, that's like a real long time in action figure lines. And this is what we're talking about. This is the original first series Storm Shadow where he's all white. He's a white ninja and he has a ton of great accessories. Let's take a look. I got to read off a list here. He has a sword, a knife, a bow, nunchucks, and a super awesome backpack with molded arrows into it. Or what I mean to say is that it has arrows molded into it and it looks like a quiver. It is super great. Real great accessories. The second one is also cool. He was reissued in 1988 in a camouflage uniform. You can see a little of the whackness starting to get in there because his sword is red. He has a red sword and a red backpack. That to me seems like a really bad color for a ninja, even though in a lot of ninja movies, there were red ninjas. But that was always weird to me. I mean, I think a ninja should be black or white, maybe camouflaged, not red or blue. Let's take a look at our next installation of Snake Eyes. Now here it starts to get really bad. In 1992, he became a member of Ninja Force. That just sounds bad off the base. I hated it when G.I. Joe got into the whole Ninja Force and Ninja Squad and all this other ninja stuff. It just was not for me. I liked it when they were like straight up military, like long range recon patrols, infantry dudes, mortar dudes, bazooka soldiers, that kind of thing. And to me, Ninja Force was like the antithesis of everything I liked about G.I. Joe. All right, let's take another look at one of my old VHS tapes. This one is an episode. It's from an episode of the cartoon where Snake Eyes is in like an arctic situation with some other dudes. All right, it's gonna explain itself. Here we go. We find it. We pop it in. Already here we go. So our enemies survive the avalanche. We must now ensure an end to their good fortune. As you command, Storm Shadow. Looks like we got off course. The cube and our guys must be back the other way. The elements shall see to your destiny, G.I. Joe. The coal and the icy sea will be far kinder to you than Cobra. Farewell! If those waves hit us, we'll be flash frozen before you can set TV dinner. Uh-oh. Leopard seals. Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the show with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. You won't be sorry for long. Leopard seals? Are leopard seals dangerous? They sound dangerous, but I don't know if they really are. They probably are. I imagine that living out in the cold Arctic Sea makes you just a little more salty than it does when you grow up, you know, in California like myself. Unless maybe you grow up like incompetent, like your easy e in which case you're probably plenty salty. Irregardless of that, we are in the final segment of the Retro Toy Marketplace where we take a look at what it's going to cost you online to get yourself a hold of some of these great toys we've been talking about the last few minutes. The first thing that I usually do is I go to the completed sold auctions and hit search by highest first so we can see what's like the most expensive thing somebody has. And what I see is there are two right now sold 8.0 AFA graded 1984 Storm Shadows. One dude had it up for a buy it now and he got $1,200. Another dude had the exact same figure but he put it up for auction 
and it only went for $650, both of which is like buku bucks as far as I'm concerned. That's a ton of money to drop on an action figure, even though it is like something that would be the key part of your G.I. Joe collection. Right below that, I can see some ungraded but carded ones that look to be in pretty good shape, and they're going for like three, four, five hundred dollars. This is a pricey action figure, very much, <laughs> very much out of my range. So let's hope I see one at the digger at the flea market sometime soon, or it's like I probably won't be getting it. Now, rolling down a little bit, we're getting into the 1988 one. That's the cool one with the camouflage outfit on the card. He's going to set you back about $1.99. I saw two of them go for that. One a little less valuable, a little more damaged, went for maybe $1.49. Now we're starting to get a little more into my price range, but not even really all that close, to be honest with you. Now, moving down even a little bit more, I have gotten to the first uncarded ones. And someone has a very nice pearl white, like really super crisp, super white Storm Shadow off the card, $99. Bucks. But even going down a little further, you're going to get like... Maybe 20, 25 bucks for a uncarded one with some of the accessories. Maybe a bit more if you have everything. Well, obviously a bit more if you have everything. So, I mean, overall, Storm Shadow is a fairly pricey figure. I guess you get what you pay for, and he is a big name, big time dude. All right, now, we're going to move into the final segment of the show, the Toys R Us report. All right, hit it. Yo, ISR, man, you're getting them nervous. They're going to break down. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us report. All right, guys. So here we are. We are at the end of the show. And if you listened to the last episode, you caught the breaking news report that was tacked on at the end. And you learned, I have found the build in Odin Marvel Legends. I got the Captain Marvel I've been wanting all along. So another success for me, another win for the kid. Yeah. You know, podcasting champion of the world, toy collecting champion of the world, the greatest man who ever lived, me. Now, we all know none of that is true, except maybe the podcasting champion of the world. I do feel like that sometimes, but that's just my ego getting ahead of itself. But we are on the hunt for something else. I like the show Star Wars Rebels, and my favorite character is Sabine. Sabine was a second wave figure of the first series. First series, second wave, and... People are reporting seeing her. I've seen on a few different toy forums that people have Sabine. I had heard initially that they weren't even going to go forward with this wave, but I'm happy to see that they have, and I'm happy to see that there are some Sabines floating out there, out and about. I don't know how hard she is going to be to find. I expect that I'll find it this weekend when I go over to Target. I haven't been there yet. I've been to Toys R Us, and it's still kind of a desolate wasteland. Sometimes I wonder if, like, the people at the Toys R Us I go to have a hard time keeping up on the deliveries, because I always see trucks in the back, but I don't so often see new toys, like, out on the shelves. Irregardless, though, I'm not going to, you know, question how somebody does their job. Maybe they're understaffed, maybe they're overworked and understaffed. More than likely, they are both those things. They are probably both those things. Honestly, retail sucks. You know, I'm sure you've worked some retail in your life, and the constant state of affairs is overworked and understaffed. I'm also out there looking for the uh, second wave of Pulp Fiction reactions. I haven't seen them anywhere, but I do believe I heard that uh, they were going to be out in February. So we're keeping an eye out for that. We're keeping an eye out for Sabine. And right now, I don't know. I suspect I'll get Sabine. I don't think that I'll get the uh, Pulp Fiction figures anytime yet. Our Toys R Us is really slow 
on stocking the reactions. I did have success finding them at Barnes & Noble, so I probably should get over there and see if I can scoop them up. You never know. Sometimes things pop up in the weirdest places. Do you know what I should do? I should go over to StoreSponsorEntertainmentEarth.com and pre-order them. That's usually the best thing to do because once they come out, they get mailed right to your house and it's just like no hassle on your part. You want to help out the show? And please, I do need your help. What I want you to do is follow the link that's on the IC Robots, I-S-E-E Robots.com homepage. And when you're there, bookmark it. So anytime you buy something from Entertainment Earth, I get a little bit. And look, all I'm trying to do is get the show to pay for itself. I realize I'm not going to get rich off this. I don't intend to turn a profit. I would just like it not to be a money loser for me. And look, dude, it's not that much. I don't need that much. Maybe $10, $15, $20 a month. We'll totally cut it, all right? So, you know, if you like the show, head on over to Entertainment Earth, help our brother out. Or you can go to virtualdirtmall.com and buy some of my cool retro or not-so-retro junk. What can I say? There are many different streams that you can pour your bucket into instead of just taking your little portion of water out. You can put some water in, and that's always cool, man. All right, we're getting ready to head out of here, but before I do, I want to give a big shout-out to the Retro Junkies. Want to give a big shout out to everybody over there for being so supportive and being so cool. There is a new app. Go to the uh, Google Play Store and look up Retro Junkies. And dude, you will find the cool Retro Junkie app. You can uh, access all the cool Retro Junkie shows right from there, right on your smartphone. Including, you know, the Toys R Us report, which is really all you need, let's be honest. I'm just funning around. There's a lot of good shows over at the Retro Junkies. You got Ferg with the Atari 2600. You got my man, the No Swear Gamer. You got... I just heard they canceled the SNES podcast. That's kind of a bummer. That was one I dug. But there are plenty of other cool things over there to check out. So, you know, download that app. Do it right now. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. This is IC Robot signing off with Toys R Us Report, episode number 21. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, that's right. This jam is rated Cold Medina, man. That's right, Cold Medina. We're in EFFECT, otherwise known as Effect. Know what I'm saying? This has been an IC Robots Radio production.